The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1974, Part 7. In this episode, we'll cover September 17th through September 20th. Never before heard interviews with John Lennon. The mother come imagine. Interviews with Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and George Harrison. 99X. Spending six hours with the Beatles. Saturday night. During the great Labor Day upheaval. Starting this afternoon at three. That you can't have. I like singles myself, you know. I don't collect albums. I John Lennon's fight against deportation comes to New York federal court this afternoon. 99X asks, why not cool off in a parks department pool? For locations, call 472-1003 or Big Ron O'Brien here at 99X. This is Gary McKenzie, 99X. On September 7th and 8th, the first Beetlefest 74 event is staged over the weekend in New York at the Commodore Hotel. I was in attendance. Mark Lapidus. I took my own savings and plunked it down in the Commodore Hotel because the question people would ask me is where and when is it? We booked it for September 7th and 8th in 1974 and I wasn't going to do the show without the Beatles support. That was one thing I didn't think it was right to do, do it without their permission. The Commodore Hotel was packed, the guest list was small, but then again, Beetlefest 74 was set up to commemorate the 10-year anniversary of the Beatles' arrival in America. Guests include music promoter Peter Bennett, he worked with the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, and Elvis Presley, Sid Bernstein, American music promoter, who was instrumental in bringing the Beatles to America, 
Alex Bennett, American radio host who interviewed John and Yoko. The MCs for Saturday and Sunday were Murray the K and New York's 95.5 WPLJ-FM radio DJ Jim Kerr. Musical guests included David Peel and the band Liverpool. There was also an unscheduled surprise guest. Once again, Mark Lapidus. John was going to show on Saturday morning at the first fest. Tony King, he brought all the instruments down that I hadn't gotten, said John wants to come down tomorrow night to pick the winner of his guitar. And that was the biggest secret I ever keep, had to keep in my whole life. Only two people knew about it. One was a policeman. So we had a, right through the we had a path from the outside through the kitchen to the balcony. We had set up a microphone, and I guess the Jim Kerr was our MC. He was telling he was either spreading rumors or hearing rumors. I hear John's in the lobby somewhere. John asked May Pang to go first to check out the event. He asked me to go. It was the first Beatle Fest they had. And he says, why don't you go check it out? I'd like to know what they're selling. And, of course, he says, I can't go. And, uh, you know, so you go. And he was lazy. He'd rather hear it from me. And the, the best part about it was, uh, for me, was running into a Jorgen Vollmer, who was the photographer back in the Hamburg days. And I called him up and I said, there's this guy, um, Jorgen. He goes, oh, my God, get his name and number. And Jorgen came over, and uh, there's the photo on the rock and roll album. That was uh, Jorgen's. So I, guess, I guess when May Pang went back to him and said, it's so jammed there, you'll get mobbed. He must have gotten cold feet. Interviewed by Lisa Robinson that day, I think from Circus Magazine, she said, John, you know, while we're sitting here just a few blocks away, uh, thousands of fans were attending a Beatles fest. She says, yeah, I know all about it. I met the guy, and uh, sounds like a great event. And... He used, here's how he described it. He said, and this is a quote, he said, it's sort of smacks of Rudolph Valentino. That was the, that was the quote. Never explained. 
get to, to see him uh, and talk to him about the show afterwards uh, a few months later and thanked him and told him firsthand how great it was and how much I appreciated it.
place to call my own Like a rolling stone On September 14th, Melody Maker newspaper publishes a rant against John Lennon by American guitarist Todd Rundgren. In the article, he says that John is no revolutionary and he is an idiot with his actions. I don't believe it's very revolutionary to put a Kotex on your head and assault a waitress and a troubadour. Rundgren also laughs at Lennon's lack of self and for allowing Yoko to control him. Yoko had thrown him out of the house. What a revolting development. <laughs> she throws him out of the house that he paid for. He also goes on to say that the Beatles have no style other than being Beatles. Lennon catches the article and immediately puts pen to paper in retaliation. And so he writes a big letter. He was into the Yanavian, uh, you know, primal scream thing at the time, you know, which was in his mom, mommy don't go, daddy come home thing, you know. It's, so he implied that, you know, my whole thing was some sort of complaint against my father, you know, when I was talking about him being uh, uh, a, not a revolutionary role model, you know, he started imputing that I was looking at him as if he was my dad or something. John's rebuttal will be printed in an upcoming issue. On September 17th in Los Angeles, Ringo Starr announces that over the next 12 months he will be campaigning against drug abuse by the world's youth. Dangerous drugs aren't an escape, they're a trap. I'm talking about heroin and barbiturates. Anyone who wants to use them is on a dead-end street. I think it's time we all got together and took a good look at what drugs are doing to a lot of your friends and my friends here and across the sea. If you really love them, tell them not to use dangerous drugs. On September 20th, Dark Horse Records release Shankar, Family and Friends. Recorded primarily in Los Angeles during the spring of 1973, this album is produced by George Harrison. Western musicians on this LP include Tommy Scott, Emil Richards, Billy Preston, Ringo Starr, and Jim Keltner.
Also on September 20th, in anticipation for John Lennon's upcoming new album, Walls and Bridges, Capitol Records in America launch a nationwide marketing effort. It is called the Listen to This Campaign. On September 23rd in America, Apple releases a new single from John Lennon with the Plastic Ono Nuclear Band. The song, Whatever Gets You Through the Night. It featured the backup singing and keyboard work by an old friend who worked for the publisher Dick James in London when he delivered correspondence to and from the Beatles. In those days, he was known as Reggie, but these days, he's known as Elton. And he just popped into New York on his way through and walked in the studio and said, hey, can I put some piano on that? And I said, sure, you know, go ahead. So he runs in, plays piano, and then I said, look, while you're here, do you want to sing harmony? He says, sure, and he sang the harmony, and that's on the single, whatever gets you through the night. And then he, he told me he was going to record Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds for a single. He asked me, would I go to Caribou and sing it with him? So I said, sure, you know, it'll be a pleasure. So I went down there and sang that, and that's the way it goes. And it's good fun, you know, because it's... People spark each other off, you know. Don't need a salt to 
single is backed by an instrumental track titled Beef Jerky. On September 25th, Warner Brothers released the album McGear by Michael McCartney. It is produced by Paul McCartney. This album is a collaborational effort between Michael McCartney and his brother Paul, who Michael refers to as our kid. Side one opens with a cover of a Brian Ferry song. In our presence, hoping help will come from above. But even angels there made the same 
Brian Ferry cover on that. It's our kid's idea. He loved the track, and uh, it was uh, one of actually Brian loved me doing it. It was uh, Sea Breezes. Yes. It's called, and he was so chuffed that I'd covered it, and he he wrote me things and rang and said, "Oh, that that's a lovely version."
The next song was a single in the UK and reached number 36 in the UK charts. How the song Leave It came about was Michael asked Paul if he had any new material one day. Paul played him the track and eventually worked on it at Abbey Road with Wings drummer Denny Sywell. What about music? Do any music? I said, oh, written uh, a few tracks. He said, oh, should we uh, try them? Let's come down and see what happens. I said, okay, great. So I went down. And we started working in his house on this track uh, called Leave It. So, right, it went like that. Oh, yeah. And so throwing in words. And, and here's the cha-chang, chang-chang, cha-chang, cha-chang. And uh, I liked that. I said, oh, yeah, it's a good track, that. Uh, and so let's record it. I said, oh, OK. And of course, he could. Yes. He, could he could go to Avi Road and pay for it, you know. Peeling off her underwear She makes me think 
did actually bring you some some attention again really uh, when, when it came yeah out. it was good it started off mm. with uh, the leave it single which we then needed a b-side for which we did in our house uh, called sweet baby it was called oh, oh my love and oh my love and how can i give you all oh, my love and lovely little track uh with it was our kid on piano is it my dad in in our house up north and uh, and Linda had I had this fan Japanese fan, and it was one of those you you cool down, but the surface was like a drum surface, so when you dominated doom doom doom, so uh, so that's when you hear the record <laughs> it goes on guitar boom. Boom, boom, Lynn going boom, boom, boom all the way through. Oh my loving, oh my loving, la la la. So that was the B side.
And so that was the B-side. And so uh, our kid was with, was with uh, Linda then. And uh, so we sent it to New York. And Lee, her dad then, was alive. And John, uh, her brother, uh, listened to this thing and said, what the hell are you doing? This is a big single, this. What are you, he's leaving it there. Why don't you do an album? It ends the first side. Have you got problems? Fame, arguments, whatever your problems are, your uh, blood brothers. There's a great bit at the end, if you listen to the end of Have You Got Problems, where we're all jamming along, and uh, Brian Jones, Brian Saxophone Jones from The Undertakers, great sax player, always was, still is, great sax player. Listen to the end of Have You Got Problems, and there's a great bit. Uh, Jonesy's uh, doing the sax thing as it fades right into the distance. Listen to the very end when it says, You've got problems, what are your problems? You've got problems, what are your problems? And he's doing the sax And right at the very end, just turn it up, and you will hear our kid and Linda go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so we kept that in.
Mainly the guts of it was him, Danny, Lynn, uh, Jimmy McCulloch, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and those beautiful drums. And uh, that we just came, it, it flowed into this McGear album. Space. I just want you 
to have that thing of uh, slow and faster, faster, etc. Up and down. Again, the roller coaster of an album this time.
Again, the roller coaster. It goes up and down, the, the casket and things like that, and uh, you know, Rainbow Lady. Rainbow Lady, I'm out of my head, baby. Since you came into my life. 
lovely one at the end man of found god on the moon uh, came out of certain things like a journey i i did f driving home from london uh, to liverpool and uh, motoring along and there's balloons going all those things actually happen right in yeah. the song they actually happen i mean it all happened the same thing it's just very weird sunsets and the balloon floating out and, I, and then that all this little girl this harry krishna girl i was in somewhere like ireland uh, in reception and uh, i just whatever i'm doing reading uh, down here it was and uh, this little girl lovely little innocent girl poked her head round the thing with a uh, little uh, uh, flowers on her in her hair. She's a Krishna kid, 
uh, uh, of the Krishna faith. And just an ordinary kid, an ordinary uh, little girl in this little dress, but she, and she was selling God, she was selling Krishna. And so this little uh, girl called Krishna was actually there, uh, or part of it. And then the man, man that found God is all based on reality. The man that found God on the moon was Buzz Aldrin. He'd gone up there to the moon, got there, uh, what the hell am I doing up here? Unless it's all a giant set, mm. and they never set off. Of course. <laughs> but he got up there, he's having delusions of grandeur if he didn't, and got up there and <laughs> looked down at the earth from the moon and whoa something bigger than all this and he got God on the moon mm -hmm. and that's what it, the man who found God on the moon that's him The man in balloons floating through space gliding long motorways running a race sails in the sunset fireworks explode Motor plane plows through a night on the road Thinking of people, places I'd been Flashbacks the name of a child Ooh, I had seen
spiritual awakening A lunar landscape happening once in the life of the man Who found God on the moon You should have seen him flip He nearly lost his grip It was a total trip Men in balloons were floating through space Gliding long motorways, running a race Sails in the sunset, fireworks explode Motor plane plows through a night on the road I'm thinking of people, places I'd been Flashbacks the name of a child I had been marvelous in the end of a great album and it, it came out and <laughs> it's a great story the cover in england it was a gate sleeve yes, yes. for those who don't know what a gate sleeve a gate sleeve is a, an album that opens up unfortunately americans could not have a gate sleeve they were only given one sleeve they weren't allowed to open it so there it is on the front is me. I had this idea of being like Gulliver's Travels and I don't know why. So maybe it was in scaffold, whatever it is. And so I'm lying down all tied up and then you open the gate sleeve and I've burst out of my chains and all oh, very symbolic. And I am sitting on 
in Liverpool on the banks of the Mersey. (laughs) And the more I look like uh, Brian Ferry from Roxy Music, the better. (laughs) So the best bit was coming down to London for 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 the cover of... And that cover that you see on the album cover, there's me stretched out on mm. the thing and all the little people, the Lilliputian people, including my mum and dad and our kid and Lynn on horses, my children, etc. All the people, little people uh, around uh, there. But that's me uh, lying down uh, as Gulliver on the thingy. And it looks real because it was real. I came down to London and this photographer said, look, Mike, it's got to be look good. It's got to be. But I've got to tie you with all these things, with the actual string across you. I've got to do it. But let's uh, go to the pub first. I said, well, we can do that now before the pub. Let's do it. No, 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 I've I've planned it all. It's all ready. Let's go to the pub. So we get the pub, and he's drinking pints of uh, bitter. I think, (laughs) gee, this is going to be a great session. But he's a pro. So he came, but he was drunk. So we get back to the studio, and I had to lie on that board, <laughs> right? And then he's doing these strings all over me and banging them in, literally banging them in. So when he's getting to this part, you'll see it on the thing. <laughs> he's getting to these uh, this interesting part of my anatomy, and he's tying the strings and banging them. Oh, I've got to be hairy. I must admit, oh, dear. <laughs> Slow down, son. And so uh, that was the real, that was the real cover on the... On September 25th, Dark Horse Records released the album The Place I Love by Splinter. George Harrison produced this LP and played a variety of instruments which include electric and acoustic guitars, dobro, bass guitar, and harmonium. The song Cost a Fine Town was a single. It quickly became an international hit reaching the top 10 in Australia and South Africa. It also hit the top 20 in the UK. side of the road for the man who cleans the streets open pub doors where the working class goes at night written on walls where the cats never crawl for the glass along the top man I was born there I'm gonna walk right back Just to find down, it's a 
Nice music from Splinter. Good evening. How are you tonight? Okay, okay. Uh, just tune it while you're talking. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because our toe string went right out. Well, well, good. We have a little break here. We can yeah, talk for a second then. We never even had sort of half an hour, you know, just to... Well, you need about a half a day to break a toe string in, you know, and just bashing it and tune it up again. <laughs> bashing it. This is like a pair of dirty old sneakers. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> I just bought a pair of them. Oh, yeah, they're great. Oh, I needed a pair badly. All right. Every time I took these off, the whole port, I fainted. <laughs> Let me ask you some questions about uh, about the group and and your origins. Uh, how did uh, Splinter get started? Um, depends how far you want to go back, really. Let's um, go back all the way. All the, the way. The origins. That's what I like to hear. Back into the roots. Uh, about '68, '69. Um, I just used to sort of go around to Bobby's house, and we uh, used to sit in the passage and all on the stairs, you know, and. Uh, I just used to sing Bobby's songs, and uh, we used to sing them together and write a couple together, and uh, we just decided to get a four- or five-piece band together, a local band, doing local clubs and things, you know. Um, where, where in England was this? Uh, pardon? Where in England was this? Uh, this was round about the Newcastle area, you know. And uh, we just used to do the local clubs and things, and uh-huh. um, Bobby stayed with the band about a year, and I continued with the band for uh, uh, two or three years, at which time Bobby sort of went on his own solo career, uh, and uh, eventually he was managed by uh, Mal Evans, uh, the Beatles road manager, you know? And that's how you met George? Yeah, that's how we met George, yeah. Um, at which time, I'd been through so many hassles with a local band, you know? It was really bad. You just you know? wanted out of it? Well, so much debt and so much gear and uh, payment books and differences of opinion. And once four or five people get together and have differences of opinion, it's bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was going to give music a ball together. And then we decided to get together in July '72, and that's how that Splinter got about. Great. So you were you were uh, originally in on uh, George's creation of Dark Horse Records. In fact, you were I believe you were the first group signed for Dark yeah, Horse. Yeah, we were the first band signed. Well, we were halfway through the album uh, with George when he decided to get the label together. You know, so um, you know, if he hadn't have signed, well, I would have punched him. <laughs> Let me ask you one more question about how is George nowadays? Uh, sort of a five foot two malignant dwarf. <laughs> Um, nah, he's all right. Nah, he's a very busy man. I yeah. I, and, and the thing is, with being, a, you know, like a big star, you, your career's all sort of timing and planned and everything. You've got to do things right for the public and, you know. You do another song for us? Pardon? Do another song for us? A couple more tunes? Oh, sure, yeah. All sure. right. Anything. Something for you And I'll often 
Coming up in a moment, John promotes his upcoming album on the West Coast Airwaves. Listen to this radio spot. This is Tom Donahue and you're at Jive 95 and John Lennon is our guest tonight. Next on Yesterday and Today. Or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. Wow. (laughs) And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's as we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. <laughs> you can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterdayandtodaypodcast or facebook.com slash thirdmen, or you could head to society Six 
facebook.com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we need your help. Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see oh, me. For God's sake.